What a moment. What a moment for Taylor Davis. First major league home run. Happy Friday, beautiful people. Show and go with Taylor Davis. Before we hopped on, we got into this conversation about short inning relievers and like how this could work on the contract market. Uh, but we go into this episode with a plan to build Frankenstein, both on the mound and from the position player standpoint. So the parameters that I want to set for that, um, five traits, you can get creative with that. So like on the pitching front, if you want to go four pitches and durability, go ahead. If you want to go durability, build and three pitches, do that. So we'll get creative with like what traits you want to take. Uh, and then at the plate too, it could be, you know, the five tools, or it could be, I want the plate discipline of blank. You know, I want things like that. So we're going to get really creative with that. But Taylor, we were talking about Wade Davis and then we talked about Robert Suarez. Um, we're hitting a point with relievers that you know, I think they're probably more valuable than they ever have been. And it's starting to really show contractually. I think that, um, you know, and and I think the funny thing is like, we talked about this before, right before we hit record, but like these conversations that we get into before are just psycho. I just think they're so funny. The fact that we like jump on and we're like, we're 20 minutes into this and we always look at each other like, all right, well, we might as well just record this. Right. I think the reliever market is indicative of Major League Baseball Players Association's fight against Major League Baseball. I'm going to go deep on you. I just went really deep, really yeah. quick. Can you unpack that for me a little bit right now? Yeah, let me unpack that for you. So what I mean by that is we in, as baseball teams have basically determined that pitching in general – for the most part, is too volatile to pay on the long term. It No doubt it's more volatile than paying a position player. And paying a reliever is more volatile than paying a starter. So that being said, the way that baseball players had been paid for however many years was, I want you to, to play really good and then I'm going to pay you for what you did. Like that's how you, that's how it worked. And that's not how it works anymore. And so the point here is if you're going to treat relievers like they're volatile and overuse them like they're good for two years or three years, which like I kind of see like not for everybody. I don't think it's a blanket statement, but I think of all the positions, the most volatile position as far as um, length of career yeah. would be a reliever. And so because of the way that we've decided to do these, these contracts in this market, I think they are the ones that are showing the, the baseball fan. I need to make my value now yeah. because they're getting me to the big leagues <clears throat> at 18. And the minute that I start sucking at 22, like the minute I struggle, I shouldn't say start sucking. If you start sucking, you should probably go. Right. But the minute I start, I like hit this adversity at 22, I've had three and a half years in the big leagues um, and something happens and, and it almost just seems like some of these teams just kind of give up, but because it's too volatile, that guy bounces around the waiver system for a couple weeks and everybody sees if they can try to fix him. And then, uh, you know, he goes home, but it's, it, it's just, I think that it's very indicative of where we are in terms of the contract for the reliever, the Robert Suarez deal. Was a good was a good deal for a reliever, obviously a very good deal. Yeah. But think about if a minor league reliever could do that after after even if you include his Japanese years, you know, three or four good years of, of professional baseball. Right. I'm I'm trying to think of like the good modern examples. And I do think that elite relievers with major league starter background are few and far between. Like right before we hopped on the pod, we were talking about Wade Davis. And when I think current day, obviously you go to Robert Suarez, my mind also gravitated to Josh Hader, but then I pulled up Hader's career numbers. In the minor leagues, this guy was a starting pitcher. In AAA in 17, he was a starting pitcher. He started 12 games. He didn't come out of the pen once. And then in 2017, he gets up, makes 35 appearances out of the bullpen. So he made 95 starts in the minor leagues. 
He has made 299 big league appearances, not one of which has come in the first inning. So we're talking about a guy that, like, for the entirety of his major league career, has been a relief pitcher. And a lot of relievers, you know, we'll, we'll see guys that, you know, start their minor league career as starting pitchers and then pivot, right? We had Pierce Johnson on the show. Pierce Johnson was a starter that pivoted to a $5 million reliever this year with Colorado. Um, Matt Moore, I think, is probably the best example of back-end bullpen guy that was top prospect in all of baseball, like a really good starting pitcher that pivoted. Wade Davis, another Tampa Bay starter, much like Matt Moore, that pivoted and became an elite reliever. So, like, not only is that a way to regain, I don't want to say relevance, like relevance feels drastic, but not only is that a way to regain elite form, like be considered in an elite tier in Major League Baseball, I think it's also a way to almost reinvent yourself. Like, talking to guys that have done it, do you think that guys that make the move from the rotation to the bullpen view that as a failed mission whenever they do it? I think <clears throat> here's what I think is that before people do it, they always see it as a failed mission. When they're there, they realize, dude, this is, this is not easier than starting. Yeah. Like this is a, it's, it's so apples and oranges that, that you really cannot compare the two because I'll be honest, like I've gone back and forth as a position player and position players love to give, give guys the pitchers crap about it. But look, very, it, it takes a very stubborn, a very really good self-willed person to be able to not play, but one day a week and be able to go through all your things all year long and do that for 20 years. Yeah. It takes a really talented person to do that. Um, <clears throat> at the same point, it also takes a really talented person to wake up on Friday, have to throw the eighth, wake up on Saturday, have to throw the ninth, wake up on Sunday, play the day game, and have to throw the eighth and the ninth. So I think there's just two totally different sets of values there, and it takes a different mindset of a person. I think the personality differences between the starters – and the relievers is such a big factor in that. To me, it's durability and, and and who you are as a person. Those are the two things that I look at to determine if I think you can be a starter or a reliever. As a guy that works with both, from a baseball fan perspective, what does the daily routine look like? from relievers that's different from starting pitchers because obviously you hear as as a baseball fan you've probably heard the term throwing program and like go through you know go through your rituals i guess between starts like go through your progressions between each starts like hey i've got a bullpen day this day i'm, I'm throwing on flat ground this day you know that starters follow a, a path from the end of their start day to the beginning of the next start day what do relievers look like on a day-to-day -day basis? So, we can, do you want to do you want to do both? Do you want to do starters and relievers? Or just let's relievers? do both. Let's do both. Walk me through both. Okay. So let's go. We'll go reliever first, though. So, you know, even when talking about relievers, there's really different categories of those, right? You've got your back end guys. Now, if now let's talk. Let's also let's talk major league. Let's not talk. The issue with talking minor league is just that there's not really roles. So right. this is going to be easy for you to explain about the major league side. And then I'll kind of – I'll dabble in the minors. Right. So the major league side, like the late inning guy, maybe you have eight and nine. Like when, when Milwaukee had Williams and Hayter, right? right? Those two dudes get to do pretty much whatever they want until the fifth to seventh, depending on who you are as a team where you are in your career. I've heard of closers that don't go down till the seventh. Um, I've heard of a lot of guys. I feel like go around the fifth. Um, I mean, those guys are, are, they're different birds. They're, they're doing something. They're hanging out before the game, relaxing, but then during the game, they're not just sitting there doing nothing. Yeah. They may be working out. They may be eating what, like literally whatever it may be, but it's to fire them up to go throw the most important inning that they can possibly go throw. Um. <clears throat> Your, your middle guys, your middle guys are probably going to uh, kind of play catch early, go through a standard throwing program. If you're up that day, 
Uh, it may be no mound work. It may be a hair lighter. But the throwing program really never changes unless you throw an absorbent amount of pitches. Okay. So, you know, you throw three innings, now your, your throwing program probably changes. Yeah. But everybody else, for the most part, pretty similar. Um, and honestly, like, that's every day. Like, you're throwing, you're going in, you're you're doing your arm care. Um, you know, if you threw the day before, you might be lifting. So how often will, like, a closer throw a pen? Not very on a on a good team, not very often. Okay, because you're you're pitching in the game. Um, well, let's just say you've got what is it? Average closer, a good close, a closer on a good team probably has fifty appearances, which means he's thrown right sixty appearances. Let's take a look at Diaz last year. Edwin Diaz in twenty twenty two, when he just lit the world on fire, had sixty one appearances. So he's playing relatively every third day. Um, typically, relievers will throw a bullpen on day two if they didn't pitch. So, like, they'll throw. If I didn't pitch on day one and there's a bunch of guys that seem like they're probably going to pitch day two, he may throw his bullpen there. But for sure, if he didn't if he didn't touch the mound on day one or day two, he's touching the mound on day three. But for Diaz, he's touching the mound day one. Not pitching day two, not pitching day three, but he's pitching day four. Yeah. So he may throw like a, a few pitches here and there, if I had to guess, but nothing, nothing major. Now a lot of relievers will get off the mound. There, it's a kind of a newer thing. Um, a lot of relievers like to get off the mound every day. Um, it's it's just kind of a it's kind of the new one of the new age things that a lot of old school starters did. You'll hear stories about old Cardinal starters that before the game would go to the bullpen. And play catch on the mound. They never <laughs> threw the ball farther than sixty feet six inches. Why should they? That's all they're going to do. Huh? Interesting. Crazy. And like a kid can't do that, obviously, right? Because he's trying yeah. to gain below. But like, if you're continuing to hold velocity and your strength is there, like, yeah, if you're just trying to maintain, there's really no point in stretching it out. Yeah. Huh? That's really interesting. All right, walk me through a starter routine, and then we're going to build some Frankenstein's. Okay, starter routine. Uh, let's just say day one's pitch day. You're showing up to the field, you know, depending on the guy, you're obviously going to show up to the field later than everybody else. Yeah. Typically, like I'll run you through Jared Eikhoff's routine. Jared Eikhoff's routine was long. He had probably a three-hour prep routine before the game. So uh, if he's pitching at 7 o'clock, he's at the field, honestly, at around probably 2.30, 2.30. earlier than most. Most guys earlier will get there like 3, 3.30. Maybe even for a seven, honestly, I you show up at four. There's no issue there. Um, I'll be real, be real with you. If you're pitching good, you show up at five thirty. There's no issue. Whoa. Like, dude, that's one funny part about this about all sports though is that like winning changes everything. Yeah, and like you hear these stories, like um, AJ. I don't know if you heard. If you have you ever listened to any AJ Przinsky's podcast? Um, no foul territory. No, I haven't listened yet. So he made a comment that when he was in uh, San Francisco, yeah. that they would show up on day game or like I can't remember if it was every day game. <clears throat> I think it was every day game. There were two lineups. One had Barry Bonds in the lineup, and one didn't have Barry Bonds in the lineup. And he said because a lot of times Barry would show up an hour before the game and just decide, ah, no, no I don't feel it today. Um, but. Barry was allowed to do that because Barry was the greatest player ever to live. And when he was in the lineup, he was winning you a game. Yeah. Um, so like winning and playing good solves a whole lot. Like I want people at home to know that you hear these stories, wonder how these guys get these chances. That's how. Right. So we'll cross sports here. Um, but like, I think the best example that the common sports fan knows of that is like, everybody was at home in 2020 the last dance went crazy in 2020 you see all the rodman shit no losing team puts up with the rodman shit but the 98 bulls put up with the rodman shit because they had already won five they're trying to win six and they know that rodman helps them get to six he's one of the and he's one of the best uh 
complimentary players of all time. Exactly. So you put up with that. And, and listen, if you've got Barry Bonds and Barry Bonds is winning you games, you you put up with Barry Bonds. And like, it's not a diva thing to show up late, but it sounds like if a starter is going right, you don't care what they do as long as I, they're doing what they need to do at 7.05. Yeah. And I mean, like now there's a little bit to that, right? Like you need to be ready to start playing catch at 6.30. I don't really care who you are. Yeah. Um, whether you're playing catch at 6.30 or not, you need to be ready. So, like, if you're walking in the clubhouse at 6.20, all right, like, you better throw a no-hitter. Yeah. Um, but, but no, so, yeah, so you're, you're heading out to the field. So there's a lot of uh, weight room uh, and training room stuff involved in there. The, the pitcher, very dependent on the pitcher when you're going over scouting reports. Um, most guys will go over day of right before the game. Some guys don't really want to do that before the game. So, like, I've been around guys that want to do it the day before. Hey, I want to talk to you the day before about it, and then we're just going to go about our day. Um, other guys, hey, well, uh, you know, games at 7.05 at 6 o'clock, we're going to go over these hitters. Um, we'll kind of go over something. Obviously, pitcher and catcher have both done that already. And we're walking outside probably, Jared, if I'm with Jared Eikhoff, we're walking outside at 6.30, 6.35 for 7.05. If I'm with somebody else, probably closer to the 6.40 mark. Um, and we're playing catch, man. We're playing catch. Uh, most of our most of his stretching has been done inside. And most guys want to be ready if the anthem is going to happen at, um, so let's see, 7.05 start. Usually means like a 7 o'clock anthem. Or I mean, a seven o'clock mound visit. So usually the mound meeting, the or plate meeting, usually the pitcher wants to be done before the plate meeting okay. to be able to sit a couple minutes. So, got you. All right, so let's build this. Let's build a player. Let's do a Frankenstein's. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go position player, and then we're gonna go pitcher. And okay. again, five traits for each of these guys. And we can't take a trait that one of us has already taken. Ooh, I love that. Do we want to snake it? So, like, you go first for position player, and I'll go second and third for position player? Or, or, yeah. Or we could make it, yeah. Yes, let's do that. Let's start let's a position player. Yes. Okay. Um, Here's no, oh, you were going to say let's go position player and pitcher at the same time? Yeah, I was thinking about that. That scares the shit out of me. That would be too much for me. I can't yeah. do that. Much thinking. Do we want to do, for the position player, do we want to do – scouting grades of five tools to be able to rank our players. And then for, for the pitching side, we could probably use pitch grades and their scouting grades for their stuff, whatever we pick. Ooh. So here's how I was thinking about it. Like, you know, just for pitcher, for example, I'm going to grab <clears throat> three pitches and I'm going to make like a decent three pitch arsenal. But then I'm going to take somebody like I'm going to take the durability of someone and then I'm going to take like the size, like the physique of someone. So I'm thinking that way. So it's not like 20 to 80 grade or like the mind, right? Like, yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's do it. You pick. Do you want to pick first or second? You pick first when it comes to position players. Okay. I'm going to write these down in one note. Okay. You know what? I am going to go. Are, so I guess we need to say, like, what are we talking about with the things with the position players? Because right off the bat, I want to go coming out of right field on you. And like, are we talking durability? Are we talking athleticism? Are we talking the tools? Like all of it. <clears throat> okay. I. Man, that is so tough. All right. Give me give me Aaron Judge's power. Okay. It he hit by I believe the he almost doubled the next closest to him amount of home runs that would have been a home run at all 30 parks as did this the guy that was close second closest to him. So, in our game right now, I think it's unmatched. Okay. Fair. I like I love that pick. Uh, I'm going to follow with Stephen Kwan's bat-to-ball skills. Okay. That guy doesn't swing and miss, oh. and he never chases pitches. So okay. I go Kwan's bat-to-ball skills. I'm going to follow that 
with Acuna's athleticism. Yeah. See, you, yeah. we're in a very similar place. I'll tell you that right now. Now, yep. hold on. I get, do I get two picks or do I go one and you get two again? No, you get two. Okay. I, I love both of those picks. And I'll be honest with you. I'm just going to go right ahead and take this guy. No, I'm not because you already took athleticism. So I'm going to save my athleticism now. Okay. You already took it. But, okay. uh, okay, so you went Stephen Kwan. That was a great pick. Really was. Give me. Ooh, yeah. Who do I go, though? Give me the defensive abilities of Adley Rutschman. Oh shit, Ad. I want I want the defensive prowess of the best defensive player I think in baseball. I think he's the best player in baseball, to be honest. You think with you. okay, so you think Adley like is a platinum glove candidate behind the plate. I, I'm gonna sound like a broken record, I promise, but Adley is the most complete baseball player I have ever seen. Now, I have not seen Mike Trout live. I'll be yeah. completely honest with you. I yeah. may have seen him like in a spring training game. I haven't watched enough to like for him to wow me. I have never seen a more complete guy, a more ready baseball player than Adley Rushman. And I've been around some decent guys. <laughs> yeah, so. to say the least. All Damn. Right. Okay. So you've got platinum glove level defense with Aaron Judge's power. Third tool, what you got? I know. This, you know what? I'm just going to do it because I want to spark this conversation. I'm going to take an athlete here and I'm going to go Byron Buxton athleticism. Yeah. See, my only issue there is if we're, if durability is included in the athleticism, then obviously I'm not doing that. I got, I played with a guy named Chris Jimenez. Um, Caught for the Twins, caught for a while for the Cubs for a little bit. He when he he came from the Twins to the Cubs, went back to the Twins. He told me that if if Buxton played every day, that he would be the best player, no questions asked in baseball. I think a lot of people agree with that because I think what everybody sees from Buxton is what he can do in such short spurts. I mean. What did he do last year, man? He had, what, 30 homers or something in 70 games? Yeah, I think so. Byron Buxton. Okay, I like that. Buxton's athleticism. Byron Buxton last year in 92 games hit 28 homers. Yeah. That's incredible. Like, yeah. And you know what's crazy is that, like, he has to be a good person for his teammates to be saying that about a guy that just cannot – no offense to him, but he cannot stay on the field. And he's, he's played 90 or more games three times, and he's played 92 twice. For the and for your teammates to be saying that about you, you gotta care. You you gotta be a good dude. So I'm taking Buxton. Got you. Okay. Um, I'm gonna follow. So you've got Judge's power, Adley's defense, and Buxton's athleticism. I've got Quan's bat to ball, Acuna's athleticism, and give me Jordan Alvarez's power. This guy, like, not only can he just hit the crap out of the ball, his homer totals haven't been where, like, the league leaders are. Like, I'm not sure if Jordan is a 55-60 homer threat like Judge was last year, ever in his career. But I will tell you that this guy is 25 years old, has multiple years pretty much averaging 95-plus in the exit velo department, and he shoots, like, 105-mile-an-hour backside homers over the Crawford boxes and left. So I'm buying that. Jordan, do you think like this guy is on pace to be one of the more prolific home run, one of the more prolific bats ever? I was just about to say, it, it's the total package of a hitter to me that is so impressive. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, he, he does a whole lot right. Um, I, I got nothing bad to say about Jordan. I, I don't think there's anything wrong. The only thing I'll tell you about Jordan, and I love that you brought up that like he's not hitting 55, so he kind of gets slept on a little bit because he's a DH. You know who he kind of reminds me of, and this is going to be a great compliment to hit to to Jordan, but like he's kind of Jim Tomeich, like not just a home run hitter because Tomey could hit, yeah, and 
he's doing it in an era where he's kind of being overshadowed by some really talented players that are getting rightfully so the credit they should. Yeah. So Tomei, for reference, was a 280 hitter with a 400 OBP. Like it's not, it's not Ryan Howard. Like Ryan Howard was, I get a fastball middle, middle. I murder that, but I strike out. Tomei, yes, he led the league in strikeouts a couple times, but yeah, like I'm not worried about that. And the thing that's so special about Jordan is I could have said Jordan's bat to ball skills. Like I could just say Jordan Alvarez is the perfect hitter. Yes. He's got like the zone contact abilities of a subdued Quan. Like his numbers are not that far off of Quan. So this guy's one of the best pure hitters in baseball. You know who it feels like, and this is really lofty, and I don't want to put this on him, but Jordan, if it all clicks, could feel like Miguel Cabrera at the end of his Miami tenure, beginning of his Detroit tenure, because Miguel was the best pure hitter in the game. I mean, I'll be honest with you. The the reality is that the Jim Tomei thing was – well, Jim Tomei was a better player than Miguel Cabrera. Um, not that I wanted him to be, because I love Miguel Cabrera. Yeah, I think slightly different because they're right. He's a right-handed hitter versus a left-handed hitter, and I don't know what it is, but like there is something about being the best hitter in baseball and being left-handed. But um, no, I think that's. I think yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I think there. I think he's. I think he is better than Miguel Cabrera. Wow, that's crazy. I, Miggy's got four batting titles to his name. He's a career 308 hitter, 906 OPS. Who's been worth more? Career 18% K rate. Who's been worth more, um, not not money-wise? Who's been worth more like F war or even B war? War. 162 game average for Miggy. Four war. He averaged. He's a career 67 war guy. Jim Tomei. So 67 career, four per year. Tomei career 73.1, 4.7 on average. So Tomei, higher war guy per 162. Tomei is a guy that gets forgotten about because he played in this generation of sluggers. And like I said, like you can't really even look at that and go, well, he should get more credit. I, I've heard great things about Jim, but like, dude, those other guys there matched. Okay. Anyway, what's your second pick? All right. Um, so I took Jordan's power. My fourth tool is Mookie Betts' defensive abilities. Okay. All right, you're fist pumping. Because you left me the one thing I didn't think about, but that crushes me defensively. I love that out of you. Because now not only are you incredibly athletic, but you're never missing a thing. And I've got a shortstop, I guess. Like, Mookie's a shortstop that has been masquerading as a right fielder for the first decade of his career. Um, How screwed up was that, seeing him hop over to short at Wrigley? This past week. Come on. A mess. What if he best way? What if he just played shortstop? He would be really good. Like, who do you think? And you know, I'm not asking you to like, hey, you know, run run a bunch of simulations and tell me who's better in the defensive run save department. But Trey Turner, league average defensive shortstop by the metrics. I think Mookie Betts could be a league average defensive shortstop. If you gave him a full year there. Obviously, you it's know, a great position at the big league level. Because he's a freak athlete, but I will also tell you that I will not underplay playing shortstop on a on a competitor. I think that that's like being a quarterback on a good team to me. I made a point on the Just Baseball show earlier this week with Harper taking reps at first and Mookie being willing to hop over to short. Those are two on a very short list of superstars that you would ask to go try a new position. And I think Harper is saying, I just want to get on the field. Like if if that's at first base, the quickest I can. And Mookie is like, we're in a pinch at short. I'm willing to play short. Yeah, I think those are the two highest guys that are doing that. But like Jazz Chisholm is on the cover of a, of a video game and he's yeah. playing another. And I think that's just Chris Bryant was a third baseman his entire career, came up, won an MVP at third base, and the next played more games in the outfield. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of where we're at in baseball. Um, But, okay, now these are my last two things, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to take the batting average discipline of Juan Soto. 
or the batting the, the plate discipline. The yeah, the plate discipline of Juan Soto. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're walking a lot. I'm walking a lot, and when I do hit it, it's going really far. Yeah. Okay. My last one here. Oof. This is a this is a tough one for me. I'll be honest. I'll tell you where I'm going with it. I'll just be honest with you. I'm gonna go with a high average guy right now. I'm going for a bat to ball guy, but he's got it. I want I want the batting title. I want like the 2016's DJ LeMay Hughes. That's what I'm looking for right now. Yeah. Uh, let's go. You took freaking Stephen Kwan from me already. Um. I don't know who won the batting title last year in the National League. Or you know what? Yeah. Give me, give me, give me a rise. Give me a rise. Yeah, I was gonna say you could either go with no. a rise or Jeff McNeil. Uh, no, you know, scratch that. We're going the hit tool. Yeah, give me the hit tool of a rise. Who am I kidding? <laughs> All right. Okay, um, I'm gonna put this up for a poll. I think we're launching new social media, so I think I might. You got one. You got yeah. one. I got one more. I know. Um, so you've got. You've got Aaron Judge's power, Adley Rutschman's defense, Byron Buxton's athleticism, Juan Soto's plate discipline, and Luis Arias's hit tool. So I'm I've gonna got... hit. I'm so I'm gonna hit 330 with a 450 on base percentage. I was gonna say 500 and a 750 slug. Yeah, that sounds about right. 500, 700. How's that doing? Now tell me how I'm doing. I've got Stephen Kwan's bat to ball, Ronald Acuna's athleticism. Jordan Alvarez's power, Mookie Betts' defensive ability. Where are you going? I could go a couple of ways here, but I'm going to make sure I'm on the field the entire time. So I go the durability of Freddie Freeman. You know, I love that Freddie Freeman made this, and I am actually a little upset with myself that it took 10 spots. And in those 10 spots, and I'm going to remind both of us, neither of us took anything of Mike Trout. I know. Neither took anything of Shohei Otani. I know. And, uh, Freddie Freeman, who we talked about Jim Tomei being, I talked about Jim Tomei being the underrated hitter. Freddie Freeman is almost in a class of his own if you take Mike Trout out of baseball. Like, I almost question if the gap is as large. Just hitting. Not If we include defense, I understand Mookie's up there. If we talk about just hitting, I almost think I almost wonder if you take Mike Trout out, if the gap between the next closest to Freddie Freeman is as big as it is between Mike Trout and Freddie Freeman. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way to quantify that. I just he has been so good for so long. Yeah. Him and Nolan Arenado, those two dudes. Nolan's yeah, Nolan's a freak show, man. I mean, so he won the MVP in 20, right? Whatever. Um, I mean, take 2018, plays all 162, leads the league in hits and doubles, hits 310. 2019, plays 158 of 162, 34 doubles, 38 homers, 120 driven in, hits 295. 2020, MVP, you know, leads the league in doubles, hits 340, has an 1100 OPS in 60 games. 159 games in 21, leads the league in hits. Last year, 159 games, leads the league in hits, doubles, runs scored, OBP. It's every year. It's clockwork with Freddie. Yeah, it's like you know exactly what you're getting. Every year. Every single year. No questions. He's going to get to 2,000 hits this year. So you went, you're on, let's just say you're on the field for 162. You're the most athletic dude east of the uh, Mississippi River. Yeah. East of the Mason-Dixon. Yeah. Uh, north of the Mason-Dixon. No, I mean, Atlanta south of the Mason-Dixon. Yeah, east, east of the Mississippi. East, I was right. East of the Mississippi River. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you got Jordan's power. Country mile from the left side. Excellent. And you literally haven't swung and missed since Nam. <laughs> Spot on. Uh, not only can I play a, a world-class right field, I can play second base and shortstop in a pinch. And you bowl a free hundred while you're at it. Shit, why not? Why not? All right, so we'll put that up for a vote here. I'll lead off the pitching side of this. Again, five traits. 
Um, I think my thing is I'm going to go two traits and three pitches. Okay. So we'll see how you go about it. I've okay. got the first pick. You got the next two. I'm going to get the durability thing out of the way because the best ability is availability. Give me I love some, it. I need Sandy's durability, man. I, I am going to immediately call that into question. The dude just went on the injured list. Ah, shit. But, like, give me the 230 innings from last year. I, you're not wrong, but, like, <laughs> the dude just got hurt. You give me. You want the durability of a dude that just got put on the injured list? I guess I gotta wear this one. <laughs> You're not wrong, but that is really funny. Oh, actually, hey, tell you what, he avoided the IL. He expects to make his next start. Okay. <laughs> biceps Good. tendonitis. I'll deal with the biceps tendonitis. Give me 230 innings. <laughs> Get up, Aram, and go give Sandy a massage before his next start. Absolutely. All right. So you're going Sandy, okay? Yeah. I mean, I, I, you're look. If he, I, I, that's an incredible pick. If he stays on the field, I, I, (laughs) I don't like (laughs) Obviously, he's a freak when he's on the field, and he stays on the field a lot. Um. Okay. Um, give me the durability of Adam Wainwright. Yeah, all right. Throw until you're 40. Throw until you're 40. And relatively healthy every year. Okay. Um, give me Adam Wainwright. And then give me, uh, you know what? Like, I'm just going to call it as I see it. Give me the Jacob DeGrom fastball down and away. Fair. Fair. I get it. All right. Jacob DeGrom's fastball. And Adam Wainwright's durability. I've got Sandy's durability. Mm. I want to go with a four-seamer here. So are you thinking like like a David Bednar? So like I was actually kind of thinking about Christian Javier. Because that thing. And this is an interesting conversation to go on a little tangent here. But like personally. When we talk about starters and relievers, and this is probably why starter or uh, starters, no, this is I don't. This is why starters shouldn't get pissed. Relievers usually have better stuff. Yeah, like Jacob Degrom is just an absolute freak of nature. Other than him, very few starters are you going to say, "Hey, like you got the pitch that I want." Right. It's tough. Hmm. Okay. You know what? I am going to stick with the starter thing, though. I'm not going to go with a four seamer right now. I'm going to save my fastball. I'm going to go with Shohei Otani's sweeper because that pitch is just crazy. Like slider, it was backdated as a sweeper. Now that new pitch. Um. I I I wrote something up. I like wanted to kind of dive into the sweeper versus slider thing, and I looked at Degrom's slider, which obviously is great against Otani's sweeper. And I love part of this. Let's do that. What? The, uh, have, oh. Yeah. Okay. So you'll you'll probably understand where I'm going here. Yeah. The, the whole thing about the implementation of the sweeper is it is a slider with a different profile. It's a slider that moves more horizontally, and yes, technically drops more vertically. But the way that I looked at it was the common ratio of a slider. It's almost like a gravity defier. So let let me pull up this article real quick because I I kind of laid out the exact data points. Um, as I go to justbaseball.com, I highly recommend that you guys do that. Uh, here we go. So Otani is throwing a sweeper. DeGrom's throwing a slider. Jacob DeGrom, his slider has 28.6 inches of vertical drop, 4.9 inches of horizontal break. Otani's sweeper compared to 28.6 of vertical drop. Otani's sweeper drops eight more inches, but it moves... 13 inches more got 17 and a half inches of horizontal break so the way that i looked at it is jacob Degrom's slider drops about six inches for every inch of horizontal break otani's drops two inches for every inch of horizontal break so not only is otani's sweeper moving more east to west or west to east horizontally than Degrom's is but it's also dropping relatively less so it's missing yeah. over bats. Yeah, it's the new thing. Um, and he throws it as good as anybody. So, yeah, you, you can't go wrong. Um, you can't go wrong there. 
Um, all right. So I, I got, so I got Adam Wainwright. I think it's Jacob. me again. No, didn't you just pick two? No, I went one, and then you went two and three, and then I just went two. So now I go three. Oh boy! Got, oh, all right. I've got Otani sweeper. So you're Sandy. You're always on the mound. You got Otani sweeper. Where are you going next? Oh man. Okay, you know what? This might feel out of left field, but give me McClanahan's changeup. He's got that split change going on right now. Stupid. I love the way that thing moves. It's a good pitch, except for I'm about to take a changeup, and I think you're going to regret your pick. Who are you going with? Give me the airbender. Yeah, shit. All right. Damn it. That was that was the only that was that was where I was immediately going to. Um, give me the airbender to go with with Degrom's heater. Um, say what you will about Devin Williams and, and what happened, but I'll tell you this: you blind you blind test somebody and you show them Devin Williams the airbender. Uh, call it the change. It's the changeup. Yeah, it is just so unique that it's going to work for a, a decent amount of time. So. Yeah. Give me that pitch. Um, I, I honestly, I got nothing else. Like that's just to me. That's that's a um, that's one of the best. And then finally, let me couple that with Edwin Diaz slider. Yeah, I would. If I didn't go with Otani's sweeper, I was going to go with Diaz's slider. Yeah, and you know, I yeah. But like you said, those are two completely different pitches. And the reality is, Diaz's slider doesn't probably hold up over nine as well as Otani's sweeper does. Like if, if we're if we're gonna play it like that. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm pretty content with my three pitch mix there. Now, see, my decision after your pick is gonna my decision after your two picks is gonna be: Do I go with a build? Or do I just give myself a fourth pick? Yeah, so I'm going build at pick four and then round out with a fastball at pick five. I'm going Tyler Glasnow's physique. I want 6'8 in your face, releasing the ball 20 feet from you. Okay. I, yeah. I yeah. Like, uh, what's the actor? He looks like that actor. Oh, uh, Killian Murphy. Peaky Blinders, right? And um, uh, one of my favorite movies. Which one is it? Inception. Oh, Killian Murphy was in Inception? Yeah, I love Inception. I remember that. I just remember uh, Gordon Levitt and Leo in Inception. Are you an I Interstellar think, guy? I'm pretty sure he was in Inception. The guy, I'm pretty sure the guy that Glassnow looks like was in Inception. Okay, fair. Um, okay, so uh, we got the Glassnow. I got the build a glass now, and then I'm going to go four-seam fastball. I'm just, like, I could go Cease's fastball. I, Rodon. I could go Rodon's fastball. Honestly, I was thinking maybe Felix Bautista's fastball because he's so big and he just runs it up on guys. It, but this, that, that may be the best fastball in this game. But the split is so good, too. Part of me is thinking Javier's. <laughs> yeah, and but the you can't. Look, here's what I'll tell you is you can't have a guy that throws a changeup, a split, and a slider. I know. So I need a fastball. Have to uh, have a fastball. No choice. So you put into this hole. Here's why I keep going back to Javier. Okay. This guy started two combined no-hitters last year at Yankee Stadium and in the World Series. And in both of those starts. Christian Javier, the fastball was so good. And yes, it's mid-90s, like 92 to 94. But this dude could just flick his glove up, tell any of the best hitters on the planet that it was coming, and still throw it over the top of bats. I want you to know that I'm buying Christian Javier just because of how passionate you are about Christian Javier right now. Like, you just oh. sold me on Christian Javier's fastball, so I'm, I got nothing to rebuttal there. All right, Christian Javier's fastball. That's my fifth one. All right. Um, so here's where I'm at. I'll, I'll walk you through my decision here. 
So my decision lies, do I go, I'm either going to go, and I even got the size. If I go size, I'm going to build with you, Darvish. He's a sneaky, huge dude. Yeah, he is a absolute monster. Um, if we go build, I'm going you, Darvish. The question is, like, do I want to add a curveball here? I kind of wonder, like, do I want to add a Clayton Kershaw curveball to to my Edwin Diaz slider, my Devin Williams changeup, and my Jacob Degrom fastball? But I don't think I do. I don't. I think I'm gonna go you, Darvish's build. Um. That guy throws 15 pitches with both arms. Yeah. So, and I have personally watched him take BP and Wrigley, and boy, I didn't need to say the athleticism of Byron Buxton. I could have said the athleticism of you, Darvish. That's so cool. Dude, that is the other part about, like, it doesn't get shown a lot because our game doesn't include a lot of very explosive things. The explosive moves that we make, are very, very small in area. Yes. The throw and the swing. Those are the explosive things that we do. So, like, it's not as exciting as a as Barry Sanders putting up the line to score a touchdown. It's just not. I get that. But, man, there are some really, really, really good athletes in our sport. That's the thing, man. Like, I think you take any other athlete and you ask them to – almost mimic the explosion that baseball players have in their moves in that fine a space, they're hurting for a long time after they do that. Uh, they take 50 swings in a cage, they're going to feel it because they're unique muscle groups. The whole thing, the whole thing. And look, like I don't, <clears throat> I don't take anything away from these other sports. I think that, that there are, I, I think athletes in general today in 2023, uh, most athletes are just so incredible. I'd, like, kill I really, throw, I'd kill to dunk a basketball. Like, absolutely. Dude, I would – to dunk a basketball. I Do you know how much of my life I would have killed to be five double digits? Okay? I just wanted to be five and then double digits. But, uh, no. But, like, I do think that, you know, what we do takes a special skill. The, the, the eyesight and what it takes for us to hit a fastball at 97 miles an hour – is incredibly incredibly difficult, and I it, it's it's incredibly difficult for somebody that's done it for twenty years. For yes. somebody that has never done it, it is relatively impossible. But in saying that, I challenge people to when they watch the game, find the athleticism in what a lot of these guys do, because I have fun watching baseball because I find and I see. And you pick up how athletic these guys are, and you pick up certain moves that you watch G1 Bay play a game of baseball. Dude. I think that's why I had so much fun watching Javi play. Like everything he does is explosive. There's an opportunity for him to excite you anytime he's on the baseball field. And like there's a number of those guys in the ma- in Major League Baseball right now. I would almost argue as many as there's ever been. Yeah. To be totally honest with you. But pick that out. Like, find those guys. That's what's fun. Yes. Is 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 watching. And, and I'll be honest with you. You'll you'll learn a lot about roster construction watching those guys play the game. For you'll sure. understand why O'Neill Cruz gets more opportunities. Than somebody that looks like I do, right? Um, you'll understand that. You understand why why guys get more opportunities than other people. I mean, I just think there's there's some um, low key exciting athletes in our sport that that just doesn't get talked about. I, I think that there are some world class athletes on each big league roster, and I think that the freak athletes that you know the baseball community talks about are slept on when it comes to best best athletes in the world. Like obviously, you you look at you know, football and basketball players, and they have explosion for, you know, 50 yards, like you're talking about, right? That Barry Sanders cut up field or cut down the line. Um, you know, John Morant does some crazy things. But in his own way, like, O'Neal Cruz hit a ball 122. Hey, I'm telling you, like, today, if we took NFL players, NBA players, and Major League Baseball players to a combine, a standard 
football combine. I think O'Neill Cruz is on the leaderboards for some of those activities. Like, you know who else I, I think is? I think Otani's on that list too. You know what? That's such a great point. Oh, okay. This should be the next conversation. Our next podcast, I'm calling it right now. Our next podcast is going to be how long until we can compare what Shohei is doing to what Bo Jackson did. I think you can already do it, but let's have that conversation next week. Yes. Yes. Let's do that next week. Okay. Perfect. Uh, This was awesome. Just to run through the pitchers one more time. TD's got Wayno's durability, DeGrom's fastball, Devin Williams' changeup, Edwin Diaz's slider, and they look like you, Darvish. Cool. <laughs> I've got... Do you want to face that guy Sunday morning at Wrigley Field at 1130? Yes. I've got Tyler Glass now, 6'8", coming at your face, that's going to throw dropping, 230 innings. Dropping the ball in the catcher's mitt. Yes, that's going to throw 230 innings with Javier's high spin fastball, Otani's sweeper, and McClanahan's split change. Yeah, I think we're going. I think we're. I don't. I don't know that we're giving up a hit. I think we're looking at a couple of dueling no nos into the eighth or ninth. So, I mean, I'm shocked that Strider didn't make this list. I was ready to throw Strider squads on there, but like, I'll leave that be. All right. <laughs> This was awesome. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Every link you need is in the show notes. I'm also going to throw uh, our new social media handles in the show notes as well. Really exciting stuff. I'll put these, uh, you know, Frankenstein builds out on Twitter. Uh, and then we'll probably clip this for, uh, for some TikTok and Instagram videos as well. So it'll be really fun. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Hey, yeah. Uh-